And I thought, you know, if I could leverage Hollywood for good, that would be better than pretty much anything else I could come up with. Hello, I am Ed Begley Jr. and I'm willing to do anything to help the planet. And I love taking public transportation for just about any journey around LA. I'll even ride my bike to power a toaster oven. And of course, I love my wife. And I'm Rochelle Carson Begley. I haven't touched a bike since, well, it's been a while. I'm a bit of a reluctant environmentalist. However, I do love Ed. This week on Begley S, we've been speaking with Michael Kaliski, who's been talking about greening up Hollywood on sets, on different commercials and TV shows and movies and all of that. And how he started his career in a dumpster. That's correct. Yeah. All right, we're back with another episode of Begley-esque. We're so grateful that you've decided to join us again. We love that you're enjoying the show and getting inspired to contribute to other causes and organizations. In fact, Kate G. wrote on iTunes, I have loved the Begleys for years and was so glad to have found the podcast. I've learned so many things from them, and with this show, they've exposed me to many fantastic causes that I had not previously heard of. That's fantastic, Kate. If there are any causes you know about that we haven't mentioned, please let us know. And Chad Ormel tweeted, I have now caught up on all the episodes of Begley-esque, and I love the show. Well, I love you, Chad. Uh, thank you, Ed and Rochelle, and, um, you know, well, thank you, Chad, as I said before, and that is so nice of you. So the day we're recording this is the first day of spring and International Day of Happiness. We asked you guys on Twitter and Facebook about what makes you happy, and this is what some of you said. Deborah commented, dogs, anything vegan, and hiking in a national park. Shirley said, anything vegan, animals of all kinds, and anything that nature provides. Rochelle, what about you? What makes you happy? <laughs> well, it's a conspiracy. I think that you've just gotten all the vegans to, to write in. Um, what makes me happy is seeing you happy, honey. Honey, that's yeah, very yeah. sweet. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Happy first day of spring. Happy first day of spring. Tell us, what have you done this week that has really helped you become happier, helped you save money, helped the environment? Please let us know. Because God knows we need all the help we can get. We're at Begley-esque on Twitter and Facebook. You can get in touch with us at begley-esque at gmail.com. And if you're loving the show, please subscribe and share with all your friends. Let's continue to build this community and inspire others to help us protect our planet. We have an amazing guest today, but before we start, we want to let you know that this episode is coming out on March 21st, which is the International Day of Forests. It's a day to raise awareness about the importance of all kinds of forests and trees. They are truly nature's powerhouses. We must remember to protect them and help them grow. So if you want to participate, you can start by planting a tree or any other type of plant for that matter. We support all efforts, big and small. So happy International Day of Forests. It's also a very special day because Michael Kaliski... Did I say that right? You did. Oh, you yes. Nailed it. Yes, Michael Kaliski, who I've known a long time. I just never bothered to pronounce your last name. Uh, producer, manager, actor, CEO, and founder of Good Planet Innovations has graciously agreed to sit down with us and chat uh, about his tremendous effort in greening up the entertainment industry. Thank you so much for being here, Michael. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. Happy to be here. It's an uh, important thing that I think we not only talk about this for others, we in the entertainment community, we out there in the public eye who have the megaphone, the microphone, to talk about how other people can do that, but to have the credibility to get people to make those kinds of changes, you need to do it yourself, I think. I think that's very important, and you've done it at your offices. Tell us a little bit about your offices, what you've done there. Oh, great. Well, um, 
I'm in a pretty special place. I've been in this office that was originally Charlie Chaplin's movie studio. Oh, I love that place. Wow. Yeah, I so place. I moved in there about 15 years ago. Is that on La Brea there near yeah. Sunset? Yeah. yeah, it's been a lot of things over the years. It was Chaplin Studios for, for decades. And then, and then it became, and then it was actually CBS for a little while, I believe. And oh, they did really? all the uh, black and white Supermans, the George Reeves Supermans. Oh, boy, thing. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then it was, uh, it was about to get demolished and turned into ugly apartment buildings oh, tragic, in the late 60s because totally you know beautiful. that was an epoch of uh of uh, architectural Bad design architecture yeah <laughs> and uh herb albert came in and jerry and, moss and jerry moss and they uh they bought it and immediately gave it historical status so now it can't be torn down fantastic so it was a m records for years uh you know everyone from the carpenters to the rolling stones more recently jennifer yeah. lopez gwen stefani they all continue to record there Jerry and Annie Moss are a wonderful couple. You might know that they also were part of getting Dolphin Safe Tuna out there in the oh, late 80s, early 90s. They always have been there for lots of green causes, Jerry and Annie Moss. But for those of out there who can't see the building, the, the chaplain's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is a beautiful Tudor, lovely building yeah. that just makes La Brea a nicer street personally you know and about 17 years ago the jim henson company bought it that's right and that's right. they've even uh further restored it they put in cobblestone into the driveways and you Wonderful. know and, and uh, everything's painted a lot lighter when it's a m it was kind of a dark brown right vibe and now it's uh, kind of white with brown tones but it's really beautiful there and my personal office is where Chaplin edited all his movies really yeah so I actually have a photograph of Chaplin looking at film standing right exactly where I sit really? how great is that you know the reason I, it's important in some ways is that I feel that Chaplin when he was making films he was using the media of this new media of filmmaking <laughs> yes to to spread messages right. that were really powerful you know, that, that City love, lights love and is more, the dictator. And, oh, yeah. Showing in modern times, modern showing times. that, uh, you know, that, that love is more powerful than money or dictatorial power or military right. power. So you're saying he would be very proud today I, for continuing his legacy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. What does exactly does a Good Planet um, Innovation do? So Good Planet Innovation, I launched the company about six years ago. And the original idea was, I, I also have a production and management company that I've had for many years. And it struck me, watching my colleagues and myself struggle to, to get to the right audiences with documentary or feature films or TV shows about specific issues, whether it be about the environment or about animals or about humanitarian issues. Oftentimes, because of the limited budgets and limited marketing power of these kinds of films, you're preaching the choir. You know, right. you do a film about about the rainforest and all the environmentalists come and clap you on the back and say you know what a tragedy is down there but the people who are actually contributing massively to the damaging of the mm -hmm. rainforest probably not going to see that documentary so while it's still valuable to make those films i, I just i was thinking how can we make more impact and it struck me i got to take the message to the people directly in the movies that they're already watching tv shows they're watching so i started good planet to do conscious product and behavior integration mm -hmm. into major films and TV shows. So that's whether it's having James Bond drink out of a reusable water bottle or have characters when they leave a room turn off the lights. Have you been able to do that? Have you been able to get James Bond? Wouldn't well, that be cool? Not that specifically. That's kind of a <laughs> What are some of the good line? messages yeah, yeah. that you've gotten into movies and TV yeah. shows? Yeah. So like, for example, uh, there was a sitcom called The New Normal where uh, sure. in the opening scene, a family of four 
uh, brings takeout home and mm-hmm. they open up this takeout meal and it was uh, vegan food from Cafe Gratitude. Great. You know, if I describe that scene and- prior to this context, you might have imagined uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken or pizza or Chinese at best, but you know, trying to spread some ideas that you know you don't always have to feed your kids junk. And, and clearly, you didn't do it with styrofoam and no, Cafe Gratitude. Yeah. We yeah. never serve yeah, yeah. things and yeah. something yeah. like that. We did a uh, farmers market where everyone had uh, reusable water bottles. Chico bags, reusable bags. Sure, I know Chico bags. And coconut waters. You know, like instead of soft drinks and single-use plastic water bottles and and plastic bags, we got rid of all of that in the scene. There wasn't a touch of it. Sadly, uh, one of my placements got replaced at the last minute. I had like a food truck that was uh, kind of a, you know, healthier food truck Mm -hmm. and, um, and running on biodiesel and everything else. And they canceled the last minute and they replaced it with Fat Burger. With a, and on their bumper, it said, uh, vegetarians make great speed bumps. I was Holy like, oh my God. Oh boy. What, what, what provoked you to the do other that? Was, was Last minute change. They, Fat Burger, they, one of their sponsors? Those guys were ready to go. <laughs> Somebody had a friend at Fat Burger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. it's important to get, them, to get the messages in there and to get the studios to do the right yeah. thing. I remember as regards to Rainforest in the late 80s, early 90s, they had a Rainforest benefit at 20th Century Fox on a soundstage. And there was all this catering and all this, all the celebrities were there and everybody was doing their thing. But I looked over to the right on the very sound stage we're having the benefit. I said, if you want to really make an impact on the, on the environment and the rainforest, just don't buy that stuff right there. They had all this Luan stacked up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just What's Luan? It's a tropical rainforest that they use for sets. Why for, do they use tropical rainforest for sets? Because it's cheap, it's easy to paint, it's oh. it's very durable. It's it's yeah. basically it's like a form of mahogany. It's like mahogany, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. And there's all this stuff called MDF that's also really bad and used as as construction material because it's cheap and easy. But it but as soon as it can't be repurposed at all because it just disintegrates mm. and it get as soon as it gets wet, it it turns into like a chemical goo. So there's, for example, a company called Ecor, based out of San Diego, um, that makes a really wonderful replacement product for that that's all sustainable and compostable and can be reused again and again. So is it a composite as well? It's not. Yeah, but it's it's like a non-toxic, sustainably made composite that can be turned into bender board or anything. Now, here's the biggest complaint. It's more expensive. Is it more expensive? It's kind of a mixed bag. Some things cost more to a point, and then there's then you have savings on the other side. Mm-hmm. So for example, with construction, uh, you know, you build a set and if you make it out of a bunch of junk, that stuff's gonna have to go into a construction dumpster and ship to landfill. But if you make it out of better materials, it can be <coughs> donated to local schools and right. theater companies, which is something we do. We, oh, we also, you know, I'll get back to how that, hap- that transition happened in a second, right. but if we donate all those materials, not only do you save on the price of the, uh, the construction dumpster, and the labor to smash it into small mm-hmm. pieces, mm-hmm. but you also get tax credit, tax uh, receipts for the donations. Right. So I donated a uh, uh, basically an entire playground to Muse School over in Calabasas. Oh sure, I've been there. Yeah, and so that whole all the slides, those twirly slides in the back that they have coming down a hill, they have three big ones. That came from one of the sets I worked on, and they in turn gave a very large tax receipt for that, which was about five times more than we charged them for our services. So they, Susie Cameron's they made a friend money. of mine. She brought me out there. It's wonderful, all the stuff that they did there. That's James mm-hmm. Cameron's wife, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 And that's really the 
what people really have to get and understand because most people don't they just automatically go well it's more expensive and we just can't you know do it and you know they're talking about carbon tax now they're actually talking about it i pray that it goes through at some point but wouldn't it be great if there was actually a carbon sort of tax on this kind of excess on movies mm -hmm. because there's so much waste yeah well there's there's ways that we're incentivizing that and like you guys asked about like how the company started how that right. you know and just a kind of funny story i used to float the idea of greening sets back in the 90s and everyone looked at me like i was an absolute alien and then the early 2000s there started to be a, a little movement there was sure. a, a, you know a, but it, it didn't it sort of bloomed and then died and it's partly because they hired a lot of young people who just got out of school with no film experience, but maybe they had an environmental studies degree. Mm -hmm. You know, they wanted to do a good job, but they had no like sort of power or say on the set. They're just kind of like a glorified production assistant, right? And nobody wanted to really listen to them. So sometimes <laughs> right. it worked. Sometimes they pushed it through, and there were some success stories. But overall, you know, they got frustrated and got other jobs, um, and so that kind of went away. So I kind of thought it was handled, and then I noticed that it wasn't when um, I got a phone call out of the blue about a week after we did product placement on our first film. I got this call from a, a big ad agency that said, uh, so you come highly recommended for greening sets, you know, in productions, do you do that? And I was like, why, yes we do. <laughs> even though we were just gonna do the product placement stuff. Right. And uh, because I knew a ton about, I'd been involved in production for 25 years and sustainability for 25 years in parallel. And then this was a beautiful chance to, to do it together. So we did um, all their commercials for one of their big clients for three years. And that kind of got that ball moving. Can you but, say what the ad agency is? Yeah, it's Crispin Porter Bogusky. Good for them for doing yeah, that. Right. Yeah. And the uh, client was Old Navy. We did all of Old Navy's commercials. Really? Wonderful yeah. that they would want to do that, yeah, yeah. too. That's great that the yeah. client and the agency, all of them wanted to do that. Yeah. We did Admirable. have a moment there in the early to mid 2000s where people were green was not a dirty word was it it was actually uh there was a blurb and uh, hopefully that'll happen again now you've been in this in the entertainment industry you say for like 25 years what's your background uh, i came to los angeles actually with no intention of staying i i didn't feel like i'm from originally northern california i drove into town in a 69 vw bus <laughs> with no place to stay the day before classes started at ucla and I just backpacked from Norway to Egypt and lived in a tent, so I thought living in a van would be cool. In and Westwood, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And, or wherever I wanted to park. Right. Two weeks after I got here, I got hired by a business manager who was connected to a lot of people and started working for Michael Douglas and Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd and uh, Rick Bieber and a bunch of producers, Michael Phillips, who produced Close Encounters and mm -hmm. Sting and Taxi Driver. and That became my first internship, ultimately. But while I was working for those guys... You know, I wanted to do something that had a positive impact on the world. I didn't know what it would look like yet. And I thought maybe I would import sustainable goods, get installed, some, something. I didn't know what but it would be. But you were back green back then. And I was, yeah, I was yeah. green back then. I was, I, you know, when I was 20, I brought a group out to the Nevada nuclear test site that was bigger than Greenpeace's group. You wow. Know, uh, we called it the UCLA uh, Peace Caravan. Good for and, you. Uh, you know, so we went on, out there five times or so and, and uh, shut them down. You know, so I was involved in a lot of a lot of stuff. I was involved in Rainforest Action Network and great people and uh, Earth Justice and a bunch of other. Oh groups. boy, and, lots of good groups. But then it, I had an epiphany just watching that sort of the power that Hollywood had on global culture, mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, if I could leverage Hollywood for good, that would be 
better than pretty much anything else I could come up with. So my first idea was to start a production company that produced conscious content. The acting kind of ha happened by accident. You know, so people just sort of said, hey, you got a good look. You mm -hmm. want to be in my movie? And I was like, all right. For those you who know, can't I, see I, him, he's I, very I, handsome. Okay, just go ahead, continue. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I studied some theater too, you know, so I, you know, I, I enjoyed doing it too. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought, okay, if I get lucky and hit it big, I'll leverage my celebrity for good. But if I don't, I'm not going to, like, bang my head against the wall and go that route, you know, just if it comes naturally. And I focus on the producing. And then, like I said, I came up with this other idea about six years ago to, to start Good Planet. Yeah. Well done. So, you know, how can we make Hollywood more sustainable? I mean, it seems like we made, as I said, inroads, and then it sort of took this back seat. You know, the economy tanked. People didn't want to know from it. So you yeah. started it right when the economy tanked, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, at first I was all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed thinking that everyone would just rush to do this because it's not very expensive to be green if you do it right uh, you know with the combination of the savings and if you do it smart it, it costs something right and i thought but it's not that much relative to the budget so i thought everybody's going to want to do this sure. it's going to go like gangbusters and then it didn't because the bean counters were just shutting me down every time like even the top guy would say i love this let's do it and then somebody who's, you know, in accounting would just go, why should we do that? Doesn't, you know, there's no reason for us to do that. And they're only thinking the numbers. So I started to shift gears a little bit. And, and I've been talking to different groups around the world about creating incentive programs for productions that go green. So I, I had a meeting a while back with Eric Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti, mm -hmm. uh, about doing a program where we waive film permit fees for productions that go green. Mm. Um, Whoa, now that would be awesome. There's That's an incentive. A, where is that right now? Just still conversation. There's okay. Nothing, and it's not, no, nothing substantial yet, but it's a, an idea he seemed enthusiastic about, and it was his idea. He's our mayor. So, uh, wonderful mayor, mayor, very green mayor, yeah, mayor yeah. Eric Garcetti. And then I was last summer I was uh, brought out to Iceland, they have a $50 million film fund, and the only way you can get the money is if you hit our sustainability Really? Yeah. So I'm, I I'm, love you know, I'm having conversations with the Canadian, you know, in Calgary, their uh, mm -hmm. economic development department, in early talks with uh, Brazil and South Africa and California State about, you know, I asked them if uh, some people from the California Film Commission, if they'd add a couple percentage points on for t their tax credit, and they sort of... Uh, frowned on that but they said that what they could do is give priority to green films and every wow. producer i've spoken to said if we got priority in the in the system for the tax credits that they would do it no problem so say you get the job you're going to go what are you going to do what's the real logistics of you greening a set so there's a lot of things that are pretty standard you have a crew that needs to be fed and they need to be hydrated you know you may or may not build sets but if there's sets being built, then uh, then we look at how they're being made and what they're being made with. Mm -hmm. And then um, we look at a donation system for that. With the catering, we donate all the leftover catered food to food banks. We uh, set up compost and recycling systems all over the set. So And we educate um, the crew mm -hmm. about that. And uh, we also put education everywhere that's kind of fun, you know, and, you know, little. We don't like to be preachy or too detailed, but just kind of like, little hints that they could take home with them or take to their next jobs so that we, you know, can have even a further impact. 
Everyone gets reusable water bottles. Yeah. We have water refill stations everywhere. We even have different kinds of bottles for different kinds of jobs. Because there's some really? people who have sit-down jobs, and they you know, might want a different kind of bottle. And I found that the people, you know, the grip and electric guys, camera guys, guys who are running around a bit, PAs, they don't want to have this hard thing clink, you a know, metal water banging bottle against their around. leg. They can't. It makes noise when they're makes, trying to be quiet. It makes noise. It bangs their leg. They have big bruises on their leg. So I have these uh, soft packs that clip on there for uh, Vapor, V-A-P-U-R is the brand we work with. They clip on. They're really good quality. And the crew loves them. I see them on, on sets that I'm not even working on. I'll see the same guys that worked on a previous production carrying them. Oh, onto really? Their next like a so. camelback kind of material that except yeah. it won't be on their back necessarily. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, energy efficient lighting. Nowadays, uh, yeah. the lighting instruments are much more energy efficient. They're LEDs. Uh, you know, they used to have these hard lights, these incandescent lights on sets. That's all they had that took a tremendous amount of wattage. A lot of the the transportation to get the crews around, they can do in hybrid vehicles and plug-in hybrids and carpool, carpool scripts rather than printing them up. You know, they send somebody a PDF file that may not need to print it at all, or an actor can just print pages three through nine, the scene that they're in, you know, they don't have to print up a whole script. So there's so many ways to do that. And then the production offices, I'm sure you do a lot of oh, work yeah. there, greening up the production office, do what you can on the set. And, but there's a lot to be gained in that office too, isn't there? Absolutely. You can have, um, you know, I always encourage them to reduce the paper to hardly any. You know, right. Just the stuff they have to print. Often they have to print contracts still. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, I mean, there will be a day when they don't. But, this, right. but the scripts are a big thing and the call sheets and the schedules and all that all stuff. All that can be in 100% post-consumer recycled when you must print it, when you do have to print it. And all the electrical uh, equipment can, be, can have kill switches so everything's turned off at night. And, right. You know. But do you have to allocate a person to do all of this? I mean, one person yeah. must handle. I mean, one of the things I, I encourage productions to do, because some producers just try to pass it off on a PA and mm -hmm. it just won't get done. Right. I've never They're seen it done well by somebody that was just assigned the job. Mm -hmm. You know, I, one of the things I'm pushing for is for it to be industry standard to have a sustainability department on every set. You know, and it's not going to be a big giant department like Grip and Electric, but it'll be, you know, at least a sustainability coordinator and a couple sustainability PAs and a sustainability supervisor who can maybe be working on a few productions that that coordinator can ask really tough questions. Mm -hmm. You know, like if they end up with like, okay, we have 5,000 pounds of coffee beans. What do we do with that? You know, or some, some crazy thing. Right. You'd be surprised the well, stuff I that know, I know. show up on sure, sets sure. that then have to be handled. I, I was once given like 500 mannequins to do something with. <laughs> and I, you know, I had to scratch my head for a few minutes, but then I donated them to local uh, fashion design schools. And then I found a, a, a group that took used mannequins and repurposed them. And I kept a little mannequin dog for myself. <laughs> so, Very Eddie, nice. if, you know, if the acting thing doesn't work out, you can maybe I can maybe be a get sustainability a job. manager. Yeah. Happily. Happily. It's good work. I know. I mean, no, you think about it. He, he comes cheap. <laughs> right? You're yeah. hired. There you go. <laughs> but, I mean, are digital cameras more green than film? I mean... I think so. You know, film is pretty toxic substance. And, uh, you know, there is more energy used in digital filmmaking, but I feel like you can always solve the energy issue with alternative energy and renewable sources, but the toxic uh, materials that we create are, are tougher problem to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the old chemical uh, way of making a film or TV show with 
silver halide, silver bromide, all the chemicals for the developer and the stop bath and all of those things to process color film, lots of heavy metals involved. You know, it was a toxic process for decades and decades. Silver nitrate film back in the old days, if you really want to go mm -hmm. back, that's, you know, long ago gone. But all that film technology was, was toxic. And so now it's a lot less toxic, I think, with the digital medium. I think there's a lot of sustainability that has come and will continue to come. Yeah. So, like, where are you from? Where, so you yeah. said Northern California? Yeah, I'm originally from Northern California. And, uh, and sometimes people have asked me where this all started. And the earliest memory I have was, so I, I grew up in the 70s. I was uh, in grade school. And uh, we had a drought and an energy crisis at the time. And so in our school, we were learning a lot about that. But then on my own, the number one phone call my parents would get from my uh, school was, Michael's in the dumpster again, because I'd be in there pulling out school supplies and books that they were throwing away, because they threw away tons of stuff. Right. I mean, luckily Waste. this dumpster didn't have also food. Yeah. It was just a clean, just paper goods in there. There was one thing, my mother flew off the handle on me on just every little thing, but she was cool with that, because I, brought, I built a whole library in my bedroom of books that the library th had just thrown in the garbage. Wow. Wow, Good for you. It's so yeah, weird so that they would just yeah. throw it away. Isn't that so wasteful? Yeah. Why? Because then, it was like used or just had a page that might exactly. There was a newer edition, you know, that was slightly yeah, different. Yeah, they get, they get donations. They need to make room. They have limited space. So, you know, they're better solutions, I would say. Than so you come by it honestly is what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. So that, yes, recycling is in your blood. Yeah, yeah. and I, you know, the other thing that really turned me on to, to sustainability was uh, I had a voracious appetite for science fiction growing up and science fiction goes a lot of different directions but mm -hmm. it's like it's speculative fiction really where where it's what if what if we didn't uh, check our the damage we do to the environment what if we let corporations make all the choices right. what if we let you know like all these what ifs um, and so it really got me thinking about the future and where we're heading and all through you know my youth I just thought a lot about you know where we're heading in the future and I f had a feeling it wasn't in a great direction necessarily and I wanted to help pull it back somehow so that's kind of how I got into it and then you know in college I that's when I started putting my toes into some different nonprofit groups and getting involved in, in in different campaigns and and then had the idea for the production company that I started a few years I, you know, I worked at the studios and for a few years to get some experience mm -hmm. and then started this company and would it, would you focus more on documentaries at first i wanted to make big splashy films or like i wanted to make avatar right or schindler's list i want to make these big powerful films blood diamond maybe you know mm -hmm. like about different issues um it was just really 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 hard to raise money for them and like nobody wanted to make these movies i mean obviously a couple got got made but these are by guys who had the sort of leverage and power to get those sure. movies. And when you talk to these guys, like I, I think Spielberg waited 10 years to make Schindler's List. Right. Cameron had to fight to get the message he had in Avatar. Did he? Do you know? Up. What, what did bet. they want to do? I understand they wanted to pull back the message a bit. Oh, like it was yeah. a little he message heavy for yeah, yeah, yeah. Fox. And then Fox almost lost the project because Cameron wouldn't back down. Good for Cameron. But, you know. Good for him. Yeah. And it's one of the most successful movies in history. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he did it right. And yeah. you know, that's the old thinking Samuel Goldwyn said years ago, if you want to send a message, go to Western Union. So, <laughs> you know, that's the way they but thought for years. But yeah. there are many important movies that do have a message and uh, it needn't be distracting. If you weave it, you know, like in Chinatown, the water issue woven into the story and 
China syndrome is really about. The story is right. about a very important issue. If you do it right and it's woven into the fabric of the story well, it, it can be a big hit. Well, that's exactly. the thing. A lot of and, and a lot of these well-meaning movies, these message movies of great entertainment and have a message. But behind the scenes, they're not necessarily walking their talk. And so where you come in is you help them sort of be walk their talk sure. in all well, areas. You know, I would help any movie walk their talk. Like, you know, commercials, people have asked, like, you know, because we've greened a lot of commercials. And they're like, would you green a McDonald's commercial? And I'm, I'm, I'm a vegan myself, you know, and so I wouldn't. I wouldn't promote McDonald's, but I would right. make their commercial have less impact, negative impact. You know, I have no problem doing that, but I won't promote a, a product I don't, I, I haven't vetted. Right. You know, for, with the product Well, placement. they also so, have the know, healthy meal, and Good. they have salads, well, and they provide, yeah. yeah, but it's providing a, a, a <laughs> part of our population that can't afford, and they can't afford, maybe, necessarily. Okay, that's yeah. a whole other conversation, but nonetheless. Um, <laughs> So you're a vegan. Yes. I keep hearing this word, vegan. Because uh, you live with one. That's why you keep hearing it. Get used to it. We're out there. What made you go vegan? Well, I read a book 27 years ago called Diet for a New America. Great book. Oh, that and, old book. Yeah. And it was that. just a really like sober, straightforward uh, description of the American food system. You know, I didn't feel it was like hysterical or hyperbolic. It was just very like, here's the way it is. And I, and I realized I can't contribute to that anymore. So 27 years you've been a vegan? Almost. I went in and out with fish. And then about eight years ago, I stopped fish too. Like but not um, even like but a... I haven't had any other meat in 27 years. Wow. Yeah. What about cream? No? No milk? No, no cream? Gee, that's where I get hooked up. I could, but I guess, you know, it's important and I get it. And I'm actually inching my way toward that. I'm really trying. Because I do know that... Listen, if not, not for the, even for the planet, for your body, it's a, it's a better way to go. Yeah. Well, there's three big reasons. It's the animal agriculture is incredibly bad for the environment. Right. Yeah, that's you true. Know, it's like, I mean, they're clear-cutting rainforests to make grazing land for yes. cows. Awful. You know, they generate methane, which is 23 times worse than carbon. Right. You know, and they also wipe out the groundwater, too. It contaminates the groundwater. And then now it's, tell it's me some more reason. No, I'm kidding. Bad for, it's bad, yeah, it's bad for your body, of course. Yeah. It's connected to cancer and a lot of other things. And, of course, it's really bad for the cows. It's like, it's like they, yeah. they're emotional feeling creatures that you know, are intelligent, and they, they know what's going on. And Even they, the grass-fed ones? It. Yeah, that's a bunch of... <laughs> they, yeah. have a, they have a field, and then they get too yeah. old, and no, that is not It's kind of the, the same works. concept as that little triangle at the bottom of plastic bottles that make people think it's okay to use single-use plastic bottles because it's just going to magically turn into another bottle without any That's damage. true. And what happens? Most of it doesn't end up recycled, um, and when it does, it's generally downcycled into crappier plastic. Little and then beads or something that end up in the Or car parts or whatever. You know, like, it doesn't just flash turn into a, a bottle it, it takes energy and creates pollution just making it you know just recycling right it. avoid that single-use plastic like yep. diana cohn's been telling you for a while honey i'm the i avoid it majority okay. of the time then you're on board that's good it's you know it is hard and i definitely have experienced being on movie sets and the number one thing i see is tons of water bottles not on most sets i work on very really? rare water bottles now they have no. a lot of permanent bottles and what have you they encourage everybody Good. to take a reusable bottle and refill it. And there's a lot less water bottles, single-use plastic water bottles on the sets I'm on these days. And mm -hmm. that's owing in no small part to Michael here. 
Good. Well, hallelujah, you know. So are there any good books or documentaries that you would recommend for the people out there who, you know, just want to get more information on? um... Yeah, sure. Well, one of the first books I read that uh, really appealed to me on the environmental front was uh, Walden. Walden? Yeah. Yeah. Thoreau? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, just the living on the land and, and living simply. So books I'd recommend, there's like Cradle to Cradle is one of my favorite Great ones. Bill um, McDonough, right? Yep, yep. Uh, Conscious Capitalism is another good uh-huh. one. That's Paul Hawken and uh, Amory Lovins, is it? No, is that, it? Was, um, that was John Mackey. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of another book. But, there's, yeah, there's it good... has Capitalism in the title, the Paul Hawken book with Amory. Yeah, I forget. I can't remember. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I love Paul Hawken across the board. He's, he's, he's fantastic, great. isn't he? So, um, you know, there's uh, books like Firms of Endearment. Uh, Firms good. of Endearment. Yes. That's Firms very of Endearment. cute. I What's never that heard about? that book. Tell yeah. me about that. Um, so it talks about different companies that, you know, integrated corporate social responsibility into their uh, existence. You know, so it's not just something they don't just write a check to a charity and say, well, we've done our good. But they actually integrate, you know, taking good care of their employees, taking good care of their, the planet, you know. Um, Google maybe. Do they do that? I'm not they, sure. I, I think they do. They do some good stuff yeah, for sure. They take care of their employees. But I, I so can't give you a, a net rating. On yeah. Them. Well, who uh, does that? Is there someone who does rate these companies like that? You know, there's there's some different things out there. Like as for consumers, there's like a, there's a thing called Bicot. It's another one. Uh, Bicot. Yeah. There's a couple of apps, and now I'm not. I can't remember all the names of them because I'm not actually a big consumer. I don't buy a lot of stuff. You I don't use a lot of stuff, and I find. What, yeah, so I don't often have to check stuff out unless I'm actually going to maybe represent them. And then I go do a deep dive. Back to the books, there's, uh, there for, for the kids, if there's people out there with kids, uh, they should have their kids read The Lorax, Dr. Seuss. No, it's I a love great the book. Lorax. Yeah. yeah. Or, and see the movie. There was a yeah. good little movie about it. All right. Um, and then uh, documentaries, Inconvenient Truth, of course. We love Inconvenient classic. Truth, yep. Unity. Uh, Cowspiracy, which uh, I liked Cowspiracy, except I had one little, one tiny issue with it, which is uh, what, what I liked was that it connected animal agriculture with environmental issue, with environmental right. damage, which mm-hmm. no documentary that I'm aware of has right. really addressed that. It's usually fossil fuels or other industries damaging the environment. This one showed the agricultural connection. The only thing I didn't like is they kind of threw some good environmental organizations under the bus, like by floating this conspiracy idea that they're in on it. And I, I didn't really? like that. Yeah. yeah so that would be the weird. one thing, if you're watching it, just I, w- I would say try to overlook that right. because I, I don't buy into that. Years of Living Dangerously is a really cool We saw very that. Good. Yeah, we saw yeah that. I like that too. Series. Fuel, Gasland. Um, Josh Fox. Yeah. What a good movie that is. Yeah. Home is a beautiful movie. Home, I don't know Home. Oh, yeah. It's just... It's just visually stunning and just shows our planet and all its glory and what we have to lose right um and and why we should take care of it did you see this little documentary called stink Mm -mm. it's about fragrance it's about the artificial fragrance industry and how toxic and how people are getting really really sick and not even knowing it. Cause Some people have a big reaction to fragrances. You know? Well, fragrance can like be the umbre- under the umbrella of like up to like a thousand different chemical compounds because there's no regulation. There's, uh, there's no yeah. FDA regulation on fragrance. I didn't yeah. know that. Wow. A lot of things like that. Or I can't remember. You've okay. seen uh, The Story of Stuff? 
Wonderful. It's a really Classic. great series of, of, of short documentaries uh, that are done with animation, and Annie Leonard put, does those. Is this about consumerism? In, in a way, yeah. yeah. But she, she talks about a lot of different issues, but she'll, she'll follow the life cycle of like a single-use plastic water bottle really? and really show the Where whole impact. She that? dives deep you? into it. Yeah. She's really great. Where did you she see dives it? deep, and, and she, yet she speaks to a layman's level. So yeah. anyone watching can understand. You can get that online. You just look up the story of stuff. You can find it on YouTube. It's yeah. very good. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. It's really good. I've sort of avoided that. I might have to change, Eddie. What can I say? They're short. They're only like five it's, minutes okay, long. Okay, short I can handle. Yeah. I like short. So what organizations are you involved with, and what organizations can people seek out to get involved? Well, um, Good Planet is a member of 1% for the planet. and uh, Great organization. What does it do? We donate 1% of our gross revenues to environmental nonprofits. Wow. So for what I do specifically for productions, like let's say, you know, we got paid $15,000 to do something, mm -hmm. you know, green. And even the expenses, that's just the gross money they paid to us. I will plant uh, 150 trees on behalf to, to offset the carbon of the production we just worked on. You know, and that goes towards our 1% for the planet membership. Because we, right. we spent that That's great. 1% on And that on again is trees. called 1%? 1% for the planet. For the planet. Yeah. Okay. And then also uh, businesses can become B Corps, which is uh, you, there's a, a number of different things that you need to show them that you're doing to be a for-benefit corporation. We're actually a legal entity of a for-benefit corporation, which is like an S Corp or C Corp, but it's a special uh, designation. Mm -hmm. We had to jump through a bunch of hoops to show that we were sustainably run, that we were treating our employees well, right. and, you know, a bunch of other stuff. You know, I mentioned Earth Justice earlier. I really like them because, uh, you know, you could stand outside of a factory with signs protesting all day long, nothing like an injunction to shut them down. So you they're know, illegal. They're, they're, yeah. You know, and I was going to mention that I'm, you know, a member of, because I'm involved in, you know, film, television, advertising production, mm -hmm. events. Um, I've just been asked to be on the board of Green Wave, which is working to shift events to sustainable practices. I'm, and I'm also involved in, I'm a member of the Association of International Commercial Producers. And um, since I've, I've joined them, they've added a, um, a line item into their standard budget for sustainability. Actually, two line items. Amazing. And so that, now Fantastic. that that's in the budget that they present to the people hiring them, they can fill in you know, a number into that that would go towards making the production sustainable. So that's a big step. It sounds like a small step, no, but no, it's a big it's, step I know in it's a big step. putting it into the psyche of the, right. of the people Great. writing the checks. That's Great. awesome. Good, good. So what are some tips for someone who's interested in living more sustainably? So there's low-hanging fruit, if you will, that anyone can get into. You know, one is, you know, you, we hear about changing your light bulbs out. Yeah. Like, I would say if you have incandescence, skip CFLs, all, you know, all together. Leapfrog right over to LEDs. Exactly, because compact fluorescents are full of really nasty chemicals, and they're very rarely disposed of properly. Right. You know, I mean, they're like Home Depot will take them, but most people just throw them in the garbage, and then they break, and then they all these toxic chemicals are just spewing out all over your neighborhood and, and the landfill. Mm. So LEDs are, in the long run, more economical. They cost a lot, of, you know, a bit in the beginning, but still, it's not out of reach. And they'll save on your energy bill, and you don't have to re replace them for years compared to like months with a regular bulb. Right. I also highly encourage people to um, to compost 
composting is pretty accessible. You know, just do a little, go online, do a little research on it. Even if you live in an apartment? If you live in an apartment, there's even little compost units you can put in out on your balcony. Yeah. You know, and there's some that, that are so well sealed that you can have it in your kitchen, like a little bucket that has a, a completely sealed We top. had one of those. Right, but then what do you do with it once you've composted? You put it out on the porch, out on the patio, and you make compost there in a slightly larger unit. You can put in a planter on your apartment or put it, you know, sprinkle it on the, out on the grounds. You know, but, uh, but you know, once it's composted, it turns into something useful. Whereas before, it, it, it actually, if it just goes to landfill, it breaks down into methane and other bad things. In 1970, when I first started composting and I started recycling and doing all this stuff back at the first Earth Day, um, I was in an apartment. So I had a little diaper pail I kept, you know, where the garbage used to be and had a lid on it. And so I would just wait until I had a few days worth. Worth and, but I didn't even have a balcony or anything at this apartment, so I used to take it out near the railroad tracks Near, near where I lived, I take my little electric car and I go oh a short distance God. away. I can't even imagine. And dig a hole and put it in there just to return it to the earth. And then stuff started growing there. I wasn't watering it, but I guess there was enough rain or moisture coming from somewhere. Were you dating st- much at the time, honey? <laughs> Probably not. No. That yeah. electric car was not a babe magnet. Neither yeah. was the composting. Yeah, I did, yeah. did my first compost when I was at UCLA. I, I went to the library you remember those with books yeah and I, I checked out a book on composting and i dug a big hole and i put started putting com, uh, you know the compostable stuff and then i put some uh would you grass. Talk, okay I, what does it mean what do you put in compost all it's just plant matter you put yeah. no fish no uh chicken no beef yeah. just all plant matter and here's the trick to making good compost there's a precise nitrogen to uh, carbon ratio you have to get right or pretty close to right but you don't have to worry about it because if you put in half brown and half green stuff it comes out perfect every time that balances the carbon to to a nitrogen level brown would be brown leaves brown grass clippings brown sawdust green would be green leaves green grass clippings things like that half brown half green keep it wet but not soaking perfect compost every time and then once you have it use it for your plants all right use it for your house you plants can you use it for apartment. house plants too and give it to yeah. your neighbors yeah Probably the most sustainable thing everyone can do, just like at the snap of fingers, is switch to a more plant-based diet. Oy. And the reason it's hard for a lot of people is that we're like culturally programmed to think that we need to have meat and milk and things like that to be healthy, and it's not. It's just not true. I don't think it's about health per se. I think it's about taste. Yeah. Well, but I think maybe some, you, for some people it's, it's because taste. what you're used to, honey. Yes. People who've been raised on almond milk and rice milk and things, they think that's normal where they taste regular milk after decades of eating that. Somebody says, here's some milk for you, and they, they think it's almond milk. They go, well, what's that? They don't, milk tastes weird to them because we're the only creature that I'm aware of that eats another species' milk, you know, into our adulthood. We just, it's not normal. It's very weird to eat another creature's milk. But we do it at our own peril. It's liquid meat. Yeah. You know, there's light green choices, there's medium green choices, and there's dark green choices we can all make. Have you encountered people that are ready to go for the, not just the silver and the gold, but the platinum people who are ready to do the dark green choices? And do you have any examples of things that people can do that are quite serious in a positive way? So in people's like, homes, composting is, is a way to massively reduce your landfill, you know, switching away from fossil fuels. You know, I've been driving an electric car for a while now, and, and I love plugging into a solar array 
What kind of car do you have? I have the uh, BMW i3. I hear that's a great car. Yeah, I've got I like the Leaf. I love that too. Yeah. Do you have an alternate car? Is that it? That's it. <gasps> Wow, I mean, I actually, that's dark. I, I, have that's an, dark green. I have an old car that I've had for 27 years. That's just kind of like a project car that I don't drive. It's a 51 Chevy. <laughs> and uh, when the Prius first came out, I, I, I went like, okay, I missed the EV1. So I'm going to get a Prius. And then my friend who was very knowledgeable, Chris Payne, you know, Chris, Chris sure. is a good friend of ours. Yeah. Chris uh, cr uh, created another great documentary called who killed the electric that's car. That's right and uh, Revenge of the Electric Car. Mm -hmm. Correct. So uh, anyway, I, I trust his uh, authority on this when he said, don't do it. It's more eco-friendly to, to ha keep an existing car on the road for 60 years than to cause a new car to I'm be built. So even if the gas- I'm so glad I didn't listen to Chris Payne. Mileage uh, <laughs> is, is different. So, so I, I held off Priuses. until the electric came out. You didn't ever have a Prius? No. I love my Prius. Yeah, I went straight from the 51 Chevy to the electric car. Oh, uh, well. Good okay. for you. Yeah. That's I had a VW bus for a while. And I've always had used cars, though, until, you know, this is the first new car I ever bought. Yeah. That's great. I think dark green would be changing your diet. I think that would be considered sure. dark green. Yeah, that's green, a big that's one. Really big impact. Because that's really hard. Yeah. It's a really hard thing to do. S switching to plant-based. Yeah. I stopped eating meat in 1970. It was one of the easiest things I did. Yeah. Very, very easy. And then like you, I dabbled in fish for a while, then I became a vegan yeah. decades ago, and I really like it. Yeah. You know, another book was a China China, study. I was yeah. just going to say, look so at countries, you. <laughs> the countries... Uh, China with Inc., the, right? No, China, the China study. China oh, study. Oh, there's another book, China Inc. So, um, so that was also, you know, information-filled, rich uh, mm -hmm. book. But there was... Um, for example, the countries with the highest dairy consumption also had the highest osteoporosis levels so because uh, milk creates an acid in your system right. and your body needs to like it actually pulls calcium out of your bones mm -hmm. to counteract it even though there's calcium in the milk there's not enough to counteract the the acids I have and heard so, that they studied these cultures around the world and found that a lot of people in Asia that ate very little animal protein very little beef and what have you they had a lower level of cancer but those same people when they moved to the West and started to eat our diet suddenly miraculously their genes were good for nothing as far as preventing cancer. They got the same levels of really? cancer that we did. That's well, what the China study is, honey. Oh, and, and in China now, uh, there's more meat eaters because it's a sign of prosperity and, you know, and affluence, and so they're yeah. eating more meat. I'm sure they're going to, like us, follow in our footsteps. Well, the, the impact of the environment is devastating, too. You know, right. as, as they switch over to, to Western-style eating and consumption habits of of goods as well you know cars and like fast fashion and all that stuff that's going to be another big problem unless they educate themselves quickly right fast fashion has a great cost because where do those goods come from what kind of materials are they made from what kind of labor is involved there's many negatives with this fast fashion yep. and uh it's something people have to consider yep. and you look at the the transportation issue in china you know, just a few scant decades ago when I was a younger man, you'd look at pictures of Beijing or other cities in China. Everybody was getting around on a bike. That's the old way. They don't want that anymore. They all want to be in cars. Not all of them, obviously, but many of them, most of them do. That's going to have a great cost environmentally and uh, in every way and to their health. They used to stay fit riding that bike around different parts of China. So bike riding is one of the greatest you know, environmental choices you can make. It's a great transportation choice in every way. And that's part of my transportation hierarchy. I, you know, ride a bike whenever I can. Yeah, that's great. Well, it really would be of service and helpful 
to have a website or a place where we can vet companies or, you know, if you have an $8 shirt, you know, that person who made that shirt probably didn't get paid $6, okay, an hour or whatever. So I know that that must exist. You Are you aware of any place There's, where... Like the Good Guide is good guide. Uh, one. There's a Bicot that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. There's How do you spell Bicot? B-U-Y-C-O-T-T. Oh, okay. Oh, like boycott, but boycott. Very great. nice. I right. get it. Yeah. Boycott. Great. Um, but good guide's great for that. You know, uh, something, this reminds me of something that I'm, I'm, I'm working on. You know, there's this technology that's ready. It's just not yet distributed yet, where when you're watching a movie or TV show, you'll be able to pause at any point, and a screen will come out, and you can buy whatever's on the it's screen. A hot spot. Yeah, I've heard of that. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, one company's calling it pause and purchase. Mm-hmm. And so I'm talking to these guys about creating a rating system for everything that's on screen. So for, for ethics and sustainability. So you'd have like a five-star rating for ethics and sustainability. Maybe it's combined. Maybe they're two separate. I have a feeling they'd want to probably keep it simple as possible. So, you know, all the products I would represent would be like four or five stars. Right. And then, so other product placement companies don't care about that. Right. But if that rating system comes to light, I think it'll change the way that that products are integrated into movies and TV shows. Because tell me which, uh, which celebrity is going to want to wear a one-star shirt. Whereas exactly. now they don't even think about it. They just wear what the wardrobe stylist gives them. That's true. But um, when it comes down to it, they're going to start putting it in their writers on their contract saying, I won't wear anything less than a four-star <laughs> shirt go, or oh shoes God, or one pants. More thing. And, one uh, more thing. Yeah. Puts Good Planet in a good position because we're the only ones doing ethical uh, brand integration. Good for you. Um, but uh, but I think most importantly, it puts the planet in conscious uh, manufacturers in a great position. Well, yes. And now I remember the, the name of that documentary, The Human Experiment. Have you heard of this? I have heard of it, yeah. Yeah. And it's about what we're doing... You know, one thing that obviously uh, that concerns me greatly is what we put on our skin. We are the skin is the largest organ, so if you just apply any product that's full of parabens and phthalates and all of that, so what's the not to mention the microbeads? Got to avoid those, right? As I always say, we vote with our pocketbooks, and if we if we know better, we will do better. So we're in this business, and we have a responsibility. I believe, and this is, it's a very impactful way of getting information out there. And, and so have you been able to get to any celebrities and, and really change them or open their eyes? Because, you know, if the Kardashians, not, maybe not today, but three years ago, you know, whatever they wore, whatever they talked about seemed to be, you know, huge impact globally. Well, there are celebrities who are very active, like above and beyond on this. I mean, there's this guy, Ed Begley. Yeah, I heard uh-huh. about it. I uh, heard for example. About it. And then there's, you know, there's guys like Leonardo DiCaprio sure. and Adrian Grenier and a few other yes. guys who are like, they're really stepping it. I mean, especially Leonardo DiCaprio is Amazing. I'm so impressed with what he's done and Me how too. much he's donated yeah. to protect the planet. And there's others who do good work. And then there's some that do lip service, which has some good, but, yeah. you, know, you know, you look behind the veil and they're not being so green but you know at least they're they recognize that uh that they have an impact and they're doing something you know even if it's just to help their their street cred or something right right and then there's some who don't care at all you know i don't know if i've personally had influence i i have been approached by 
some celebrities on sets I've worked with who were grateful for what I did, mm-hmm. and um, they seem to recognize that. But I'll tell you, you know, I'm just as touched when a production assistant comes up to me and says, you know, I've worked on dozens of films, and this is the first one that's mm-hmm. sustainable, and I'm, you know, I, I love that. I'm so grateful. You know, I, you know, yeah. I don't care what your job is on a set. I like seeing the light turn on. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and you know sure. that you've changed someone for the better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can say not only is this a great product, or if, if maybe it isn't a great film, but it we did it the way it was produced and, yeah. and put together. And yeah. Well, I know. felt very proud when we did that show for three years, honey, living with Ed, two years on Home and Garden, and That's one right. year on Planet Green. And people would come up to us regularly, Michael, and say, I got one of those solar ovens. I love the way you put the pot on and kind of when you tilt it, it doesn't make a pot spill. It's got a little thermometer in it. You go, they actually did it. They have a level mm-hmm. of detail about the solar oven. They're telling me right now you couldn't get it unless you went and bought one. They yeah. actually went and got one, clearly. That's great. I got one of those rain barrels, and the screen on top keeps the mosquitoes out, and a little spigot below. I had to put it up on blocks to make sure I could get the garden hose attached. And you go, wow, they actually got a rain barrel, too. And so all these people did these things because of that show that we had yeah. for three years, mm-hmm. and that was a source of tremendous pride for us both yeah, because absolutely. you got people to change, and that's what you've been doing for decades, and we're so and that's proud what we're to, doing with this podcast. Align with you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not so vogue right now to have green programming on TV. I hope that changes. I think it will. I think you know there'll be a need again, but. We have a dining room table, and we have some mics, and we have a, you know credible producers who want to help us do a podcast. And now we get to talk to people who, you know, I've known you for years. You know, yeah. I haven't really had an in-depth conversation about what you do. I knew sort of uh, generally, but... Well, I appreciate the efficiency of putting it right into a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Why waste time on idle conversation yes, without exactly. microphones? That's right. That's great. Making it's not friends. being recorded, did it even really happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Michael, what are you working on next? Well, I'm working on... I, I have actually a couple of interesting things on the horizon, and it's not just film and television. I mean, the big film project I'm working on next is a... I can't say the name of it right now, but it's a... It's a very big sequel that we'll be shooting both in Los Angeles and New Zealand. And they're doing four sequels back to back all at the same time. Wow. And uh, the director wants it to be zero waste, and he's making the production vegan. Okay. Excellent. Very impressive. I'm sure that's so, a short list of people who that would be, but okay. No, well, Use your mind. He's, he's not just hiring vegans. He's going to just make the meat eaters eat vegan food. Really? So that's, okay. that's <laughs> way, yeah, it's not going to okay, be Okay, I'll go vegan. Can I be in your movie? I'll there do you it. Go. There you go. I'll put in a good word for Thank you. Thank you. But I also have a couple other exciting things. I'm talking to a very large, uh, one of the biggest concert producers. I, I did some sustainability work on the Global Citizen Festival in New York last uh, fall. And uh, 66,000 people in attendance. So we just did a couple initiatives with uh, water refill stations and mm-hmm. reusable water bottles being sold at the, you know, the merch booths. And uh, the food being donated, uh, much of the food being donated to food banks. So we did those things. But mainly I did an assessment and from there connected this big, you know, the production entity that does hundreds of concerts, big concerts around the world, uh, Live Nation. Oh, Live Nation. Wow. So we're talking to them right now about just, you know, doing some sustainability work with them. And that could change concerts. That would be Um, awesome. A ton of ways to concert. A ton. We're talking to a couple others as well. And that could be applied to trade shows. Mm -hmm. Wow. It could grow from there. I've just been asked recently to do an assessment on a hospital to make a hospital green. So that's uh, that's kind of a neat 
sideline. That line. would be awesome. Um, one thing that happened last year that's still kind of in motion is uh, somebody came to a screening I host. I host screenings at my office in the chaplain screening room. Mm-hmm. And somebody came and uh, after hearing what I did said, you know, I'm having a dinner next week in Washington, D.C. You should come. So I thought, okay. I flew out to D.C. And uh, next thing I know, I'm in the Pentagon talking to people from the Department of Defense about greening military bases. Wow. So wow. that's uh, that's kind of a fun, Wouldn't you know, that be who knows where changer. that's going to go. But um, The fact that they're receptive to it is so encouraging. They were very receptive, surprisingly receptive. But, you know, it's also, you know, if you frame it different than like, it's not about kumbaya, let's save the planet, but let's save lives. Because I think it's something like 60 or 70 percent of casualties in these forward bases are from transportation of uh, fuel, fuel and food oh, and yeah, other things. Supplies. So those guys are getting, you, right. know, with, you know, running into, uh, you know, bombs and, wow. you know. They're finding ways to run a lot of their vehicles on biofuels now for that very right. reason. So but if not, they didn't even need fuel, right? you know, if they were on renewable energy, if they were composting, didn't have to ship stuff out, if they were growing their food in vertical farms on the base, all that stuff could change the whole the whole plan and save lives, which is important to these guys. The Pentagon has been one of the best spokespersons on climate change because they know it's real. They're not uh, why thinking it's a Why hoax. isn't our government listening? I'm not sure, but uh, they've been talking about it for a while because they know it's real. They know the kind of conflicts it's going to lead to globally yeah. and how it threatens us politically in every way, mm-hmm. what a challenge it is. So they've been on the right side of it. So if people want to get a hold of you to green up their production, their office base, or their military base, how do they reach you again? Uh, goodplanet.green, like the color. Great. Yeah. Okay, and where can we find you? Sir, Facebook? Um, yeah, I, you know, Good, Good Planet Innovations on Facebook, and I'm on Facebook, Michael Kaliski. Uh, Twitter is Michael Kaliski is my Twitter and Instagram. And are you single? Good, no, I'm kidding. Instagram kidding. is uh, Good Planet Mike. Why are you dating again, honey? I'm dating. just curious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is very convenient for dating. You being here. Thank you very much. No. Just well, curious. I don't understand the way of your happiness. Yes. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you out there, you might want to look him up on Facebook and get a visual. Anyway, there you are. Well, this has been great, Michael. You know, uh, thank you so much for talking to us. And here, you know, here, so we're grateful, Michael. See you around campus because yeah. we go There's to the same events. There's a lot of work events. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Thanks. you, buddy. Hey, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks again, Michael. That was very inspiring, and it's safe to say that we all learned some great takeaways from your story. And you're not bad to look at. Number one, if we want to have an impact, we need to bring the message to the people who aren't aware about the issues we care about. Number two, we can spread powerful messages today through the media. Weave the issue into the story. Number three, this isn't just about saving the environment. This is about saving lives. And number four, apparently changing your diet is a deep green choice, is a deep green change you can make. And I'm on the road to doing it. You heard it here. So that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. And remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a rating, a review. We always want to know what you think. Do little, do a lot. Just do something today and tell us what you did. Thank you to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. This podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.